Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monticelli, the host of this podcast, Let's Talk Soul. Over the years, after having interviewed so many people on so many different topics, I realized that what interested my audience wasn't really the individual topics per se, but was how it impacted them, how it touched their soul. So I'll invite you all to lay back, put your feet up, and if you like what you hear, leave a review, five-star review. I'd appreciate that. So just enjoy your listening. I've had the good fortune of having Jason Skisik back with us. Jason, please say hello once again. I am so excited to be back, Claudia. Thank you. <laughs> I was very happy and lucky to have him back. Why? Because after we stopped recording uh, the last episode, I realized that uh, there was much more to talk about and it wasn't at all finished. It had just begun and we just scratched the surface. So what are we going to talk about today? Today, I'll just get a line out of um, a description that he wrote for me uh, about himself. And he's, he said to him, he said, he wrote, I am an entrepreneurial evangelist. And of course, that got us talking about spiritualism, which it wasn't in this context. But I said, well, you know, it would be nice if we could talk spiritual and spirituality. And that's what we're here for. Why? Because he's a high energy person. And for the life of me forever, I have always said, love is energy, spirituality is energy, ghosts are energy, poltergeists are energy, everything is energy. And um, I thought it would be interesting for us to talk about energy. If you don't mind, would you, um, since you you have spanned so many different, you know, from, from uh, being in the army to today and your um, podcasts, your entrepreneurial um, endeavors, and uh, all of the rest that we spoke about in the last episode. Would you mind to talking about a very personal topic, your spiritual beliefs? Of course, I would love Go to. Ahead. Uh, well, so for me, you know, I grew up uh, traditionally raised in a Lutheran household, mm -hmm. um, and and I certainly, especially well, can from you, like an, excuse me if I yeah, interrupt because when you say course. Lutheran household, we have an international audience, and not very many people know what that is. What would that be? Do you so Lutheran is a, is a branch. Yeah, so Lutheran is a branch of Christianity that's very similar to Protestantism. So mm -hmm. you look at um, John Luther, John Luther um, was the one that uh, created Protestantism right. by, you know, posting those 12 things on the, the church door of the Catholic right. Church. And mm -hmm. uh, essentially, there's there's a, a small difference that I couldn't enumerate for you at this mm -hmm. moment between those religions. Uh, so officially, however, that's where your your uh, family had that in that was their their religion, let's say. That's right. Um, but from a very young age, and just thinking while you were talking about this intro, I was thinking about where did this seed start? And from a very young age, I always remember, and I mean too young, like to where teachers would get annoyed, where I'd say, well, what's at the end of space? And they would say, well, there's just no more space. And I say, okay, cool, cool. Where's, what's at the end of that? And, and I think that those big concepts and ideas, I'm a seeker Infinity. and- Infinity, right? Th thinking about things like infinity and the different types of infinity. There's infinity out, there's infinity in, right? Um, and so because of that, I've always been someone who thinks, tries to think very deeply about what I believe to be kind of cosmic or big picture yeah. ideas. Why I brought this topic up is because we 
dabble, we sort of scratched the surface the last episode and spoke mm-hmm. about the tribe because you use that word a lot, building tribal communities. And and that's a quite a concept because religions talk of the family and, and mm-hmm. not necessarily an extended family. Um, when you, how do you, well, what is your idea? I know you have a daughter. Very. How old is your daughter? She's uh, Lucy is seventeen months old. Yeah. Oh, cute. that's a perfect age. Oh, <laughs> the perfect age. Yeah. Close to the terrible twos, but <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. Um, well, um, I can jump in. I can jump in and explain my my concept of tribes. So, sure. Uh, I think potentially, and and, and it, this is a little circuitous, but I think potentially part of the reason I feel this way is because I grew up in a small kind of self-contained house. I don't have a big extended family, uh-huh. but I always found myself in team sports and then in the military with a very hardworking, very difficult job uh, with very great uh, cohorts, very, very great, uh, you know, uh, right. com- comrades, I guess. Comrades, right. um, and then ever since leaving the military, the thing that I have sought out is to be shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters who I really, not the family that I was born with, but the right. family that I choose. Extended. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And so because of that, when I think about tribe, especially in a time where churches are pretty empty, uh, and that's neither good nor bad in my opinion, I'm just right. saying that we don't, we don't as a unit, as a country or as a world, we don't as often identify with uh, a rallying cry of a church. And so mm-hmm. there are these pockets of ethical systems where you can find sort of virtuous models in sort of, uh, what is that term, non-religious ways. Uh, uh-huh. You see this in yoga. You see this in things like fitness, like CrossFit. Right. Um, you see this in uh, masterminds for entrepreneurs. You see it mm-hmm. in social clubs. Um, and so for me, I am at my best when I am in support of a group of like-minded yeah. individuals. As you speak, you know, I always like to little scratch more and more. Um yeah. It's it's obvious that life uh, includes both the good and the bad. I mean, that's what life is, right? And and um, spirituality is all about light and darkness. Or there's there's the opposites that um, are are inherent in everything we do. That's life, right? Now, when when you speak about the tribe and and creating people, creating a group of people that you could work with. It just came spontaneous to me to ask you, but surely, Jason, you must have had experiences in your life where those people who you thought or considered your brother or brothers turned you down or or just let you down. And how did you deal with something like that? Um, I think that what, because this definitely has happened, I think high school football comes to mind. I never quite fit in in that locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I desperately wanted to, Claudia. But what I think, if anything, that it did was it taught me to be selective of which tribes I chose to become a part of or start. And so now as a, as a grown up and for many years before now, um, I don't open myself up to brotherhood and sisterhood and and camaraderie and fellowship with mm-hmm. the environments that I don't authentically believe strongly in. If I yeah. don't if I don't behave or act or or have predilections in alignment with a tribe, 
it's actually my fault for trying. I am the sliver in the finger of that tribe. It's Uh gently rejecting me. And Mm -hmm. so what I've found is, uh, first of all, that when I've built tribes, particularly in the CrossFit space, we made damn sure that these were inclusive tribes, not exclusive tribes. Um, but whenever possible, I try to surround myself with people who want more is more and 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 are giving first and, and lead with service. Um, and those types of organizations, again, I'll mention yoga, I'll mention, you know, fitness, I'll mention other places like that, the military um, from the inside, not necessarily the outside. Um mm-hmm. I think those are places that that are supportive and that mm. welcome in outsiders, not reject them like slivers. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that might be off the wall, might feel still off the wall. All right, um, I'm a third, I'm a third member, third generation member of the occult. You know, I so, and I grew up with stories that my father used to tell me of three-legged tables and the table would rise off the floor. I swear to you, I swear to you, put my head, his yeah. hand on my head. Um, in the military, it usually starts there uh, from from so many re- recounts that have uh, been given to me from people. Have you ever had any experience similar to, let's say, an out-of-body experience or a near-death experience or some kind of, have you seen um, ghosts or experienced the energy of a poltergeist, anything that was out of the ordinary like that? I'm not sure if this qualifies, but yeah. I have had what what people refer to as ego death from psilocybin, from from psychedelic mushrooms. Okay, um, okay, let's let's go there. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, what is the uh, drug? What is the so, substance? So psilocybin mushrooms, which is a naturally uh-huh. occurring right. mushroom that has uh-huh. psychotropic effects. Um, I have had an experience of putting down what I would call my, my ego or my identity and revealing sort of what I would call like the veneer of civilization to see the world as maybe it would be if we didn't think like humans. Uh, And so I felt a very connected in a very literal sense to sort of everything and everyone around me. Um, And it's one of those things, Claudia, where it's not like I learned it. It's not like I thought it. It's like I always knew it it. happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it happened. It was real in that sense. Yeah. And um, have you had many experiences like this where they varied? You know, they varied once it was like this, another one, another time it was in a different way. That's exactly right. I've, I've had some that were more, and, and I don't think that's, it, first of all, this is not fun. Uh, this is not uh, a party. This is not me, you know, having a great time. This is me contemplating my place in the universe right, uh, right. spiritually. And so, uh, and so it's important that I say that, but, uh, but yes, certainly there have been varying degrees. Most recently for my 40th birthday, I went to Las Vegas and mm-hmm. I had what I would call like a much more mild, but almost a historic experience of seeing that place for what it actually is, mm-hmm. which is sort of the the world's decadent center, which would almost be identical. It felt I was sitting in um uh in Caesar's Palace, and I was overcome with the fact that minus the electricity, this exact scene would have mm-hmm. existed two thousand years ago mm-hmm. uh, with these exact people. I saw an African man big giant African guy guiding his beautiful mother through the crowd. And I saw these Russian guys walking through with their chests all out and people scurrying around to serve everyone. And it just occurred to me in that moment that the human experience really doesn't change much over eons. It's much more the way we, the stories we tell ourselves and sort of the mediums that we see things. Mm. 
what's you know as as you speak of course i see the picture then i you know yeah. you lead with your words and i'm visualizing something yeah. but then you know something came uh, emerged uh, your experience with finance and your degree in finance and um you know it's 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 sort of uh, a mixed bag here and um for those of us like me who just you know I count with my 10 hands and I put my money in a bag. And when it's done, I could just yeah. get some more, you know, yeah. <laughs> I grew up in a time when my, we would say in Italian, we would say, well, money is like your nails. You cut your nails. They always grow back, you know, yeah. uh, not so today, but um, it, there is, and I've learned and I have learned to, it was uh, something I didn't know the idea of money as a medium and finance is a highly spiritual medium. And um, in one of the ways we can explain that is that um, money is also the language of love for many people. And yeah. what, what made you go into finance? Well, I was probably misguided in why I went into finance, but I'd like to address what you just said. Yeah, and that is, sure. you don't think about the food that you eat and you don't think about the blood coursing through your veins right. on a very literal level, but these things are happening. There right. are millions of things, millions of decisions that your body is making unbeknownst to you. And so biology is the language of the human experience in body form. And what right. I would say is finance is the language of a business or problem solving or a community in its biological right. form. Does that make uh -huh. sense? And so, oh, yeah, so where yeah, the yeah. connection is, is, is much more, it's much more, it's much less literal about pieces of paper or digits in a computer. And it's much more about where we choose to put our effort, where we choose yeah. to store what we've mm -hmm. earned through hard work and who we choose to give uh, you know, finances to, um, this is none of these higher order things are the reason why I went into finance. I went into mm -hmm. finance because I got out of the military and I thought that's how you become a millionaire. Right. Uh, and I very, <laughs> yeah, and I I very quickly learned that that was not for me. You know, I very yeah, quickly learned yeah. that I wasn't moved by the markets and I wasn't moved by monies for money's sakes. So go back to your daughter. Now we have, you have a responsibility. Okay. You, I have children too. And it's, um, and you never think about it when it happens. And then of course the children are born and then all of a sudden they're in a school and, um, and there's decisions to make. And uh, at least in Italy, they had a uh, part of the line, you know, in, in grammar school, there was an hour a week for religion. And mm. at my time, when my children were young, they, we could choose to have them do something else. And that's what we did, except there were three or four out of 26 who did something else and they always felt left out. Mm -hmm. What happens today uh, for your daughter? I mean, how do you go, would you have that pressure? Or would you have an idea of how you go from bad to good to uh, God to nothingness or the sky, the moon, and what's up there and what's beyond there. Do you have an idea or are you waiting for her questions? No, we're very much thinking about these very big questions oh. already. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I don't necessarily have an answer yet, but I can yeah, sort of propose, sure. I can sort of propose the frameworks that my wife and I look at it. In, and yeah. that is my daughter should be exposed to the world as it is. Um, right. which means that she will be exposed to Islam and Christianity and Hinduism and Buddhism and, and all of the other isms in the world, Judaism, certainly. Um, and, 
And more than telling my daughter what to do, I would much rather teach my daughter how to impact the world in a way that is conducive to her. And so if that means that she identifies with Islam or Christianity or, or Kantism or, you know, like some sort of an ethical system, um, well, I would encourage that. What I mostly want to teach her is the language of bringing ideas in synthesizing them together and then coming back out with a unique point of view. That has been the thing that has taken me further than any one ism. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as you were talking, you know, I visualize my uh, things in my mind and what I'm going to say. I'm more convinced one of the validity for you to take notes in any form that you see fit for several avenues of volumes to publish you know and two um to rethink the notion of tribe uh building tribal communities and i don't for for your context and and you know just hear me out this is i'm just uh talking you know um it seems to me that there are I come across a few different types of people. One of them are way, way, you know, way, way up there. They don't have their feet on the ground. They are in the heavens. They want to know what's going to happen. They're, they're, you know, too high up for a human to be. All right, that's one. Another type of person is, uh, for the type of work that I do, another type of person is they have their feet on the ground and they go into their higher self and into the other realms to get answers that they need. And then Mm. the third kind of person who just is feet on the ground, boots on the ground, and there's nothing up there. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you if you could possibly benefit in the type of work that you do by adding some kind of spiritual component in the sense, I'll give you an example. This is a stupid example. Um, first gathering or first group or first one-to-one meeting um, when you talk about core values. And and of course, core values have to do with with things you feel, how you sleep at night, what you think when you dream, you know that. And those, your core values almost always, am I right in saying that they have a spiritual base? 100%. I I couldn't agree more. Um, And I think spirituality, uh, like a lot of words these days, uh, is is probably maligned uh, or certainly misunderstood. Um, so if you're listening to this, you know, based on my understanding of spirituality, yeah, core values is huge about that, um, and and it's it's very much a personal thing, and and you get to manifest those core values in a way that you find to be palatable and 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 that you like. When you talk about core values with the people you deal with, have has anyone ever come up with something that has completely surprised you? Yes, definitely. Yes. Uh, multiple would be, times. Would yeah. it be um, a terrible thing to ask you to give us an example? Well, um, yeah, not a terrible thing. Of course, I'll, I'll give you some examples. <laughs> okay. um, Don't uh, give us so, the name. We just want an example. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of examples would be, uh, I have someone who was very connected with swimming and being in the water. He had grown up as a lifeguard and as a champion uh-huh. swimmer. And so one of his core values was trial by water. And I just loved that so much because because trial by fire is something that has a very strong connotation. So everybody can understand it, right. but trial by water, which is his preferred way of going through struggle. Um, yeah. Trial by water to me was so powerful because I immediately knew who he was without any additional 
explanation. Um, another great example would be, uh, I have a friend who is very much sees himself as a lion. Uh, he was mm -hmm. a bodybuilder and he's a big, strong guy, but he also is kind of mild until he needs to come out of his cave, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and all of his core values, he was able to beautifully create this tapestry that all kind of illuminate this metaphor of the tribe and the pride uh, of lions. And I thought that was really I'm, well I'm going done. to go down in slippery waters here now. Um, from from your words and your descriptions, it, it seems to me that, say, 99% of the people you deal with are men. No, uh, I would say closer to 70%. Although okay. in the fitness business, that was actually favoring women. I might, mm -hmm. if I did anything in, in fitness, it was actually coaching women, uh, powerlifters and strength, uh, athletes. Mm -hmm. Have you yeah. ever had an experience that just seemed to you? Well, I, I use the word failure, but you know, failures usually open doors of opportunity, but yeah. that just didn't turn out right or didn't develop as you expected. Or took more time to develop positively for the person involved. So part of this is, and that's why client selection is important and knowing who you're working with. Yeah. Part of this is you must, when we, when we open the hood of your car, you yeah. must be willing to only move forward with the pieces that make sense. And if you're not willing, then I can't help you. And so if you pop the hood and we find that there's broken pieces here and broken pieces there and outdated pieces there, and you say, yeah, but I want it the way it was. Well, I've not failed. I just have not been able to impact you. And so I really try to make sure that before we walk through this door, before uh -huh. we open the hood, that you right. understand that we can only move forward with right. the most efficient and best version of this car. Now you get to decide what that means, right. but we need sure. to be ready for change in order for anyone to help. Okay. So there's the key change. The, the yeah. key is change. And so um, someone who comes to you, let's say that's half the battle won in the sense that they took the first step, mm. of course, then do you have sort of a screening process? When I do. If I don't believe you, I will tell you, I don't believe you, you know, and this happens frequently. In what someone, sense? What, what would I not believe? When somebody me, says, when somebody says, I've tried everything and nothing works and uh, this isn't, you know, I, I'm, I'm special. I see. I, I see. I, of course. I'm special. I have a different circumstance. I have magic between my ears and there's no way an employee could ever do what I do. Well, I can help you as long as you're willing to give me just enough room to get my fingernail under. Right. If I can okay. do that, then I can help you. But if, if I see a brick wall, I mean, frankly, Claudia, I'm not sure yeah. if I could help them or not, but I'm yeah. not going to waste my life force on oh, that. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Jason, this was a very, very interesting conversation. Once again, thanks so much for being an open book. <laughs> And Thank talking you, about values and spirituality and energy uh, and tribes, you know, this was this is important. Thanks again. Thank you so much. And again, you know, that book, you got to contact me when you have it black on white. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye.